Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. For more information on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website, hccgoshen.org. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and as always, it's an honor to be celebrating and spending some time with you today. And today we are wrapping up our first half of our legacy series in our podcast, Harvest Talk podcast with my conversation with Vic Hildebrand. And next week we'll be moving on to our second pastor, Steve Chupp, and talking more about the legacy here at Harvest in Zion Chapel uh, with that. But uh, today, kind of to set it up, what we're going to be doing is talking about um, the legacy of mission. Uh, Vic Hildebrand always wanted to be a missionary. And from the very early on, there was a, a legacy of sending out missionaries all over the world. And so we're going to be talking, uh, start with that early missions movement, talk about his, uh, his, um, his desire to raise up leaders and, and people that could lead the church and lead others. And then we're going to be ending uh, this segment with some, just some discussion and stories about the amazing signs and wonders that God was doing during the Jesus movement time and just the, the power of the Holy Spirit in that time. And so that's kind of where we're going today. And so without further ado, I will turn it over to my interview with Vic, and then I'll come back and wrap it up at the end. Uh, let's take a listen. Okay, so uh, deep down in your heart, you wanted to be a missionary. And so from right. very early on, yep. that took on uh, real wings here at Harvest. So talk about some of those early okay. missions movements that started to happen. Well, and, and let's, let's, let's add this little detail. Sure. Before it all happened, God spoke a word, which later on I realized, oh, that's what God meant when he said that. <laughs> the very first time I told you about Ger Gerald Durstein. Mm-hmm came into our community, and he came to our house. He found out there's people at Goshen College, because he was from Mennonite background, got kicked out of the Mennonites. Right. And so here's a, here's a Mennonite college, and there's somebody that's interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So uh, he said, can I come over to your house and meet these people? And I said, sure. So he did. He came over, and, and my wife fixed a dinner for him, and, and we, we had a really nice evening. Uh, but Gerald prophesied over me that night. This is before I got baptized in spirit. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we had talked about some things, and I said to him that you know, growing up in school, we had maps, and in our maps in our schools, uh, all the countries that were in the British Commonwealth had a commonality of the English language being in their schools, right. and, and I looked at that and I said, you know what, I could go to all those English, the, the countries that were in red on mm -hmm. the map. Mm -hmm. So I prayed for all these countries <laughs> in wow. red wow. Uh, for whatever God wanted to do. He prophesied that I had been praying for many of these countries, and in God's time, I was going to go, wow. not necessarily to all of them, but to, but to many of these places. And I remember hearing that, I thought, that's not my understanding of what we're talking about. <laughs> my friends that are missionaries are in the Congo, because they've been there for 30 years. Right. Uh, and I was headed for Nigeria, and I thought, that's where I'm going to live and die. Right. So what are all these other countries doing? And I didn't know what God had in mind. God, and, and eventually I recognized God used me to raise up the church, to plant vision, to inspire people. Right. And then my sons and daughters in the faith caught the vision, and they went all over the place. Right. But eventually I ended up going to many of those places. And in fact, my very first trip to, to Europe in 1973, I'd been invited to go to Europe a number of times, but... I thought, I don't know what I would do there, but on this particular occasion, it seemed right to go. Went with somebody else, and they had a plan, so we went. I think I visited about 
oh, 12, 15 countries in, in Europe. Everywhere I went, God began to do miracles. Yeah. And everywhere I went, the people said, hey, can you stay? And I said, no, I got a wife and kids and a church back home. Yeah. But I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to pray that God will raise up people that we can send out. And so whether it's France, Switzerland, Germany, different places, uh, we ended up sending people there. But when I went, it was like God opened the door yeah. and then he gave me a sense of purpose. What am I doing back here? So Operation Timothy was equipping mm -hmm. people yeah. to, to go. Right. Let's, let's put what we can into their hearts in a passion to serve God, how to learn how to speak, learn how to pray, learn how to worship God. And, uh, and get out there with it. <laughs> and, and so uh, it, it launched. When it began to happen, we didn't know how far this was going to go. In fact, the, the, the great stories of people that just did enormous things, we had no idea right. what God was going to do when he sent Doug Gaiman out. Right. <laughs> right. You know, he was young. Yeah. Uh, he was the youngest elder we ever ordained. And, That's amazing. And so he went to Southeast Asia to be with Wayne Crook in Taiwan, I think it was, in Thailand, and, and eventually, you know, went to uh, Sri Lanka on his own to yeah. plant churches. That's still going on to this day, a tremendous yeah. uh, fruit going on in, in the country there. Um, or, you know, when George Bourbon came, yeah. we, we had no idea of the amazing giftedness. I mean, right. it's actually... It's kind of funny when George came, uh, and and you should hear that story. When George came, you know, he came from uh, he Costa told Rica. He yeah, told he told, oh yeah, he told it to me. Yeah, you, you know the, you yeah, know the story. Yeah. Anyway, he came to Goshen to be with us here because yeah. God said go north, and <laughs> right. I met him in Topeka, Kansas, and he said, "Is Goshen north?" I said, "I think yes, a little bit." <laughs> so he's okay. So he he came here and stayed for five years. Yeah, and and honestly, um, he didn't know English. And he was more interested in girls than he was in, in the Bible. So right, <laughs> right, he right. thought, where is this going to go? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, you just don't know what, what God's got planned because I've, I've rarely met a man who had so many amazing giftings yeah. that, were, that was just so profoundly God. I mean, it wasn't they were honed. He didn't learn them in a Bible school. Uh, he learned to listen to God and and obey and walk in the spirit in a way that challenges me to this day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the amazing numbers of people whose lives were touched. Let me say something else about the early growth and what was going on. I went to mm -hmm. Costa Rica many times to be with George in these crusades that they had. And, and, and I, I always wanted to let people get involved in ministry, but give them some instructions. Don't just send them out. Just right. <laughs> right. So we're there in Costa Rica. And uh, I, I, this was not my first time. I'd been there a couple of times, but it was a big, big tent. And we had a big meeting. We had maybe four or 500 people already coming. And I was preaching one night. And uh, I preached on uh, whatever. Maybe I preached on healing, whatever. I, I, what I remember is at the end, I thought, I'll pray for people. And George said, Man, we got people that can do that. So <laughs> they went out there. And I'm, I'm thinking, who are these people that are doing it? Well, they're the ones that got saved last week. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and I never saw a setting where people were released to serve so quickly. And there was something about what God was doing. Because honestly, 
I don't know any bad stories of these right. people getting out too early. It, it, it's just, it worked. Right. I'm not sure you could work in this country as, as well, but it, it did. Yeah, it worked. It was profound. Yeah. And so I was, I was okay, so they were going to pray for the second. Okay, that's good. I, prayed, I, I preached on the baptism of the Spirit. I thought, okay, I'll pray for the people. George says, we got that covered, we got too. That covered too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the fact is, in Costa Rica, God raised up so many ministries through George's. Yeah. And, and if it hadn't been for George's heart and willingness to release them, right. it, would have, it would have remained a much smaller right. operation, okay? Yeah, he was, he was a true apostle. Let's he let's get back problem. to track. I, I got off track here. Oh, no, you're totally fine. No, you're totally fine. Uh, just to, I want to set a couple, just a real quick context. Um, you mentioned George Barbone, and and just, I mean, he went on. I mean, he's very much an, was an apostle in Costa Rica. Died a few years ago, um, but many influenced many many things yep. in that country. Uh, you mentioned Doug Gaiman. You know, he went on to have a a long. Uh, uh, I don't like to call it a calling overseas. I'll say it that way. And now he's the president of. Globe International, yep. who's sending out hundreds of missionaries all yep. over the world, and yep. um, you know, and, and you mentioned Operation Timothy. Um, now, I know like Bob Tidd and Steve Chupp went through Operation Timothy. Did George and and uh, Doug and those guys go through it as well? Uh, you know, I think they, I think they did. Okay, not sure whether I know George was there, right? And and George was in it, but I also had him speaking in it. Okay, it was, okay, it was, yeah, he was much more of a leader at that point in time. Very early stages. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so it was it was at that point in time. So yeah, he was there, uh, and and of course, George and Ed Garcia and yeah. Steve were very pivotal to the early right. ideas of how we're going to do this stuff, yeah. and uh, they deserve a lot of credit for for having been in on it as well. Absolutely, um, but. At the same time, okay, just tracking back to the early stages, uh, Dell and Jeannie Penner mm -hmm. uh, caught the vision fairly early. They went to Europe. They first went to Switzerland, yeah. and amazingly, they were there, I think, two years before they'd exhausted all avenues of getting a visa to yeah. let them stay. It yeah. just wasn't going to work. Yeah. And, and there, was a, there was a group in Germany that, had, that I had visited one of the places where they said, hey, can you be our pastor? I speak German, so they thought, this is going to be great. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, I can't do it. Anyway, Dal ended up going to that church yeah. group and became the pastor there, uh, out of which were several other yeah, they churches. Planted, they planted there. at least four churches, yep. two of which they've successfully, I think all four they tra successfully transitioned, two of which are still very involved in the right. day. Yep. He basically is pastoring a city in Germany right now with the refugees. Right. And, yep. and, uh, and then, of course, Bob... God bless Bob. I don't know what he's he's been working. Bob Tiz been a workhorse for for a long time yeah. in Cuba and right. other places. Bob, you know, yeah, and, Bob uh, Bob Tidd's story is just off the charts. Wild, what what God can do yeah. with a man who is willing. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's amazing. Yep. It's amazing. It's a single-hearted vision to reach people, yep. and it's a yep. beautiful thing. Yeah. And then let's talk about one of those guys that that went through Operation Timothy and took over for you, Steve Chubb. Talk a little <laughs> bit about meeting him and, and, and just that whole, his calling. Because and, 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 one thing we talked about with Steve, um, one, of the, one of the successes of that 50 years we talked about earlier is the ability to recognize when you need to hand something off. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can be a very, very challenging thing. Um, and yeah. so, so talk a little bit about your relationship with Steve and, and all of that. Okay. Um, so Steve came uh, uh, back from from Germany, where he was an exchange student, mm -hmm. 
And his mother had experienced a profound, I mean, a really profound experience in right. God, deliverance, set her free. It was, just, it, was, it was an incredible story because, and Steve knew that in, yeah. in their home, life was hard. It was a troublesome setting yeah. and everything else. And when it's all said and done, it's like across the board, <laughs> most of them ended up getting saved. I, I, I'm not sure to track everybody what they're sure. doing. But it was a real move of God that happened. But Steve came back and... He was the only one in the family, let me say this cautiously, that at that point in time had a genuine heart after God. Right. He didn't understand the struggles of the rest of his family, but he, he really wanted that. Right. And uh, he had gone to Bethany Christian School here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I heard from him, I'm pretty sure, that as he was going through school, he had thought, you know what, I'd like to be a pastor. Mm. He was actually studying medicine to, to be a doctor, I think, when he first began his college. But um, that's, that's the word that came out. Sure. And I thought, well, that's really good. That's really good, Steve. I have no idea what, you know, what, what made you think that or want to do that. But it, it stuck with me. That's kind of what he would like to do. Hmm. Interesting. So um, Steve came. He got filled with the Spirit. And that's, that's a real experience in itself that he probably told you about. Mm-hmm. Great. Azar's parking lot experience. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he became a, a, you know, a regular in the church. Um, and from a relatively early stage on, I thought, okay, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a pastor of, of Zion Chapel. But I think Steve is interested in serving God, and I think he feels like pastor is what he would want to do and so before he knew it, I began to prepare him. I began to do things. Uh, we set him in as a deacon for a period of time. Mm-hmm. He served there just doing the things that we had. We had a unique function of the deacons at a certain point in time. Sure. You may remember the gas crisis of 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you don't remember that. I don't remember. I've heard, I've, read, I've read about <laughs> it. Read, read I saw about, it in a movie. You heard about the First World War? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so we had, we had ways in which we tried to meet the needs of people. Sure. Uh, and Steve was involved with that. Uh, he also became a, a house group leader, mm-hmm. which was, uh, we, we had house groups over the years, and, and it's a great place for people to learn some levels of leadership and teaching. And, you know, one of the things that I've often said, <clears throat> if you're a leader, then it's pretty much a guarantee that you will have followers. Right. Because if you're really a leader, right. people will be drawn to you. Yeah. Well, if nobody's following you, you're not, probably not, Right, at the leader you exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Steve was developing uh, a role uh, in ministry, and it was it was maturing. Um, and then we had uh, an interesting opportunity that came. Uh, Ray Brooks was the man that we had asked to be our our daddy mm-hmm. from the early stages on. Sure, and he was a very very valuable. We could talk about that for quite a while. Yeah, Ray and Rosalie were really meaningful for us all the way in their early years of the church. But he was pastoring a church in Topeka, Kansas. And we sent uh, Steve out there uh, at Ray's request. Somebody, because we had lots of young people that were gifted and good. So Steve and Rhonda went there and served alongside Ray, kind of almost like an internship, Mm -hmm. pastoral work. And I wanted him to have somebody other than me be involved in, in... just let his own growth be. And Ray is like the ideal guy to, right. to, to do that. 
So he was there for a period of time. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but when he came back, <clears throat> we brought him on staff as an associate pastor. Uh, in those years, I, I, I've looked back, and my wife, my wife uh, says it with more chagrin than I do, that I was gone a lot. Right. Um, and, and so to have somebody that was actually meaningfully able to lead when I'm gone was a very important detail from my standpoint. Right. So Steve took that role on, and he was doing it well. Um, let's just reflect on this idea of the transition and turning it over to Steve, mm -hmm. because it's, it's not really as complicated as it, as it is for some people. Sure, sure. Because uh, I've, watched, I've watched leaders who didn't make the transition and were reluctant to make it when it needed to happen, and, it's, and they struggled with it. Right. Uh, we didn't struggle with it because it was part of the vision. Right. From the very beginning, right. when we first began, I thought I was on my way to Africa. Right. And we're just here in the meantime, just experiencing all this fruit going on, this great people getting saved and all that stuff. But I thought I was headed for Africa. Well, eventually it became clear, no, that isn't exactly, that was my idea, but it isn't evidently God's plan. Right. <laughs> but I knew that I was not I was not designed by God to be the long-term pastor here. Right. So I was, I was genuinely looking, okay, who would be the right person to, to put in that place? Mm -hmm. So it's a bit narcissistic, but Danny Chuck prophesied it publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen's going to be the next pastor. <laughs> anyway. That's funny. I, the, uh, that's funny. It, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing should never happen. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and, and you know, there were people in the church, maybe they heard that I thought I was going to be moving on, right. but they didn't actually believe it. Right. Right. <laughs> I'd, I'd always been here as far as I knew. They, like, why would you leave? What's, right. what's the problem? Um, and so there were people that actually came to me and said, so what do you think when he said that? He said, he's right. He is the guy. Yeah. And what, what the church doesn't know is I've been working for four years to get this guy ready for this. Right, job. right, right. <laughs> Um, and so the transition was never a battle where I didn't want to give up sure. the position. Sure. I, I felt like this is God. Right. And, and all I was waiting for is God's time. Yeah. And it seemed like it was God's time. Yeah. Even if it was Danny that prophesied. <laughs> right, right. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, and that's... So that, that to me is, is very special. Yeah. Uh, I think we will never fully know what are the best ways of doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, at that point in time, I had lots of doors that I was going out, but I wasn't moving out. I was just right. helping a church and doing a lot of work in Switzerland, and I was doing some work in other parts of Europe and Central America and so on. And so I had lots of things to do, right. and I didn't particularly feel any urgency to leave Goshen to do that. And it was harder for Steve than it was for me uh, because I unapologetically know that I love the people and they love me. Mm -hmm. that, that was never a doubt in my soul. Right. And I was also the one that was there to help put Steve in. I didn't want the job back. Right. But that didn't mean that he didn't feel some insecurity sure. when I was around. Sure. 
And so uh, that, was, that was probably a difficulty that we didn't fully anticipate. Right, right. Because it wasn't like we didn't yeah. have an election to say who's going to be the pastor next year. I mean, yeah. this was, we were all in agreement. All you, you, did, you didn't have a half a dozen books to read about pastoral transitions like I did when <laughs> Steve handed off to me and talked about uh, all those things. Uh, uh, right. Yet. Yeah. And yet, you know, what's, what's beautiful, and, and honestly, again, we, I've already had the privilege of pre-recording my conversation with Steve, is, uh, is God was faithful through it all. Yeah, and uh, and, it's, and it ended up, um, you know, uh, working out a great destiny, and uh, even you know, we 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 say now one of the things we talk about here in our culture is having awkward conversations in a timely manner, and God God, God guides us through all those things, and He's He's rewarded uh, you and your legacy, He's rewarded uh, Steve and his legacy, and uh, and uh, you know, as, as weird as it is, because I, I I feel like I'm. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more wired like Steve than you are where, I'm, where my plan right now is to live and die here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm already preparing to praying about and thinking about who's supposed to take it over mm-hmm. one, two decades from now mm-hmm. when, when it's my time to pass it off. And I think, you know, my, my, my hope and prayer is, uh, the next 50 years of a uh, harvest will be more fruitful than the last. And that mm-hmm. this is something that, that w- this would be a, a, a church that maintains a movement and never loses its fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so that's my, my dream. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but well, good. Well, Vic, honestly, we are almost out of time. I'm getting a little few flashes here. I got uh, one more thing you want to, yeah, absolutely. Let's add there's one, a, one there's more. There's a missionary mm-hmm. uh, that came and this is, this is one of his God did. God brought people here yeah. because I mean, this is not from this is not the '60s. Now we're talking about the '70s and early '80s. Yeah, people came because they knew this church was sending people out. Yep. Bob and Betty Payton came, having been in uh, Wycliffe work in Central America, South America, right, spoke right, Spanish, right. Yep. and wanted to be in a church where they believed in the baptism of the Spirit, yeah. where they could get sent out. They yeah. came here, were served here faithfully for a number of years, and I remember distinctly, uh, 1975. Uh, they were like the first missionaries that we sent out, like full blast, yeah. all out, yeah. go to another country. Uh, they've been there since 1975. That's amazing. And I'm telling you what, there are hundreds of people going to be in heaven because Bob and Betty Payton obeyed God yeah. and toughed it out. Yeah. It was not an easy road. <laughs> and, and I just admire uh, what they've done. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah. And so we could, we could actually <clears throat> talk about some people that we... We had along the way. They were part of that early going out. There was a family from France called Kenneth and Elva O'Hare. Uh-huh. On my very first trip there, uh, I visited them. I was just a tag along with somebody else. Right. I was sitting in the back seat talking to <clears throat> other people while Kenneth O'Hare was in the front seat talking with the other uh, guy there. And uh, eventually he said, talk a little louder, I need to hear this. <clears throat> And I was talking about what was, what was going on in our church. Right. And at the end of it, he said, we need to get connected with your church. I want my kids to grow up with what you've got here. Wow. So they ended up being here. Most of the kids spent time here. Their oldest son was a medical doctor. He never did come here, but he was, he was out there in France. <clears throat> but that was, a, that was a, a, a catalyst for a ministry in, in the French-speaking part of the world. That's where Don Kripe went. Okay. And others yeah. have been down there in, in France. But along the way, talking about growth, mm-hmm. 
there are gatherers. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm talking a prophetic word here. Now you can give it to whoever you want to. If you're a, <clears throat> if you're a pastor wanting to raise up a church and God gives you a gatherer, yeah. they probably won't fit the normal mold. But if you don't let them fly, right. they'll never produce. Right. We had gatherers. They were just the kind of people they brought their friends. Yep. And they came from different segments and different times. And that's a really, really special thing. Yeah. Um, I've, in my work in helping plant other churches, I try to identify these guys. And almost always, they're troublemakers at first. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. there's a little bit of a need for a bit of grace. Absolutely. Uh, unpolished, but yeah. they, <laughs> absolutely. There's they a, have those potentials. Absolutely. No, there's that, 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 that untapped uh, kind of natural stubbornness, if you will, that's required uh-huh. to lead. Right. And it's got to be right. molded and, uh, and, and, and shaped. And mm-hmm. so, well, good. Well, good. Anything else that you want to add? You were add? talking about miracles. Yeah. And we didn't actually go very far with it. I want sure. to tell you a couple of miracles. Sure. When we first began and we knew that God could do them, uh, we had uh, Raul Felipe from mm-hmm. Guatemala okay. come up here, came to Goshen. Like, what in the world is that about? How did he get here? He had just come from uh, Salvador, I think where he had been sent out from this church in Guatemala, where I've preached, and I've been in that church. Well, this guy was a young man from there. He went to, to Salvador to preach, and he preached an open message, you know, uh, out of the book of Matthew, where Jesus said, you know, cast out demons, raise right. the dead, blah, blah, blah. So somebody came up to him and said, hey, you said raise the dead. Look, we got a man that died. Come raise him up. <laughs> so, so he said, whoa, now what do I do? <laughs> so he went along with them to this place, and here's all the family, and they're all gathered, and here's this dead body, and I said, all right, go do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Raul was probably mm, 24 years old. So he thought, God, I don't know what to do. I, how do you do this? What's, what's the prayer? <laughs> and and the he prayer? walked up to where the guy was. And honestly, he never did tell me exactly what the prayer was. But right. Probably praying quietly, praying in tongues and waiting to see what, And God raised him up. That's amazing. And uh, <laughs> so, so, of course, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, Word got out in the city, mm-hmm. and pretty soon the head of the hospital said, hey, come and pray for the sick in the hospital. We need you here. That's so it's this wild, wild story yeah. of lots and lots of miracles happening there. Yeah. So he comes to Goshen, and he tells us the story. This is what happened in his life. And, and you know, you, you feel his flesh. He's just like, like us. He's not any right. different. Right. But, you know, it sparks something when you know that God can do that. Absolutely. Did you ever meet Bajit Patarse? I did not meet him, no. Bajit was from um, uh, maybe Jordan. I'm uh, not exactly sure which part of the Middle East, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Bajit came, he preached in our church, and we stayed at our house. And re- I'll tell you why that's important. Um, so, uh, one of the things that happened in his life, and of course, he tells the story because it's, somebody told him the story. Bajit was born dead. Oh, wow. His father was a godly man who was out of town. And the mother said, we're not burying that boy until that get, the father gets back. Three days later, the father comes back, and God raises Bajit wow. from the dead. Wow. The mother had been gored by a bull <laughs> and killed the baby. The, and he had uh, a, scar a hole in his head or a scar, whatever it was. Yeah. And my wife is in the car. She says, can I feel that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, sure. Yeah. So she said, sure enough. There's the indentation in his skull that got. <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway, you, know, you don't need very many stories 
of profound things that God does miraculously to, to give you this sense of purpose. You know what? God, this is way bigger than we are. We're into something that's over our heads. So, right. Lord, help us just to walk faithfully here yep. to serve God. Uh, I had the privilege of, of praying for a variety of people. And the first thing I remember, um, because I grew up as a kid, and I had a variety of headaches. My headaches were severe enough that I would literally vomit Mm-hmm. And after I'd vomit, I could go to sleep, and I wake up, and I'm I'm well. And, right. and so much so that when I got a really bad headache, it's like, okay, let's get this vomit let's get over so I can yeah. get back to living again. Yeah. So I'm hearing that God can do miracles, and so my prayer was, God, I'd I'd like to see headaches healed. This yeah. is I'm, this is serious for me. From the age 14 on, I've worn glasses, yeah. okay, because uh, I have astigmatism. And my condition was such that <laughs> that um, uh, I, I would get headaches and I needed it corrected. My glasses were to correct whatever was going on. My vision wasn't that bad, but, right. but it caused headaches. Right. So I wore, wore glasses. And if I played ball, took my glasses off for a couple hours, just about guarantee I'll be, have a headache when it's done. It's okay. So I was asking God about headaches. And to my amazement, discovered God heals headaches and I and that to me was a big deal right I have actually had the privilege of praying for many people for God to heal headaches and seen dozens of people healed of headaches I've, yeah that's just one of the things God did which I greatly appreciate yeah um, we had a we had a man in the community whose son was in the hospital and he was very, very ill, and they felt it was terminal. He was going to die of this condition. And he was not from our people group, but they had people in his church that were encouraged this man, why don't you go ask Vic to pray for your son? And with some level of chagrin, he, he did. And I appreciate that he did. So I went up to the hospital, and family's there, and, and I said, okay, I'll go up and pray for him. So I, I went up to the hospital and, and prayed for him. I'm not sure whether I anointed him with oil or not. But what I do know is God healed him. Yeah, He's alive and well to this day. It's amazing. Lives in this area. That's awesome. Uh, it's a great, great, great story of, yeah. of God doing something that's just beyond what we can, I mean, what could I do? Right. I'm not a doctor. I, right. I don't heal people. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> then one other story. And this is one of my favorites because it's so it, it it's so real. Lots of miracles, like the one in the hospital, you, you can't see it happen. Right, right, right. This one you could see. Right. Esther Good. Okay. Came to our church when we were meeting at the Gladiola Farm. Sure. Which is a great place for God to do wonderful things. Yeah. The old Gladiola Barn. Yeah. <laughs> Esther was probably in her uh, late fifties, early sixties, and she had been in a car accident twenty years prior to that. Had been seriously, seriously injured. And she came to church uh, as a joyful Christian, but completely bent over. Mm. Uh, I think it's Luke chapter 13. has a story of a woman who bowed down, it says in King James. Right. Uh, could in no wise lift herself up. Okay, right. she's, you know, whatever. Esther was like that. She came to the meeting, and she saw all these young people worshiping God, and she was so happy. Yeah. She loved the Lord, and she just thought this was great. And, but I had seen their condition. 
And um, I, I cannot say anything other than I was trying, I thought I was walking in the spirit. Meeting was over, she's sitting in the front row over there, and there's a bunch of people who are still around. I said, hey folks, come over and watch this. <laughs> so I had about 20 young people gathering around, you know, all their late teens and 20s and so on. And I read the scripture out of Luke, and how Jesus rebuked the spirit, they didn't answer it, and I said, we're just going to do that. So I rebuked the spirit of infirmity, which is the one that he identified there, yeah. and laid my hands on her and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Yeah. And I watched that girl stand up straight. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so profound. Yeah. It was so yeah. profound. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, she was overjoyed. Sure. She was already a happy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, this was great. She went home from there, and she came back the next week, and she says, I just want to testify, and, and I came for more. Yeah. And she said, I got home, and she said, I had not been able to look in my cabinets for 20 years. <laughs> anyway, and then she said, you know, in that accident, she said, you see my feet? And I said, oh, she has a shoe that's built up, I mean, mm. big time, like mm. three or four inches. Mm -hmm. Well, in the accident, whatever happened in the restoration process, one one leg was at least that much shorter than the other one. Yeah. And I thought, well, we can fix that. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's what I did. Yeah. I said, yeah. gather around, folks, yeah. watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't advise anybody. To right, 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 right. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was a gift of faith, I believe. Yeah, because I actually, I actually felt totally, this is what God's going to do. Right, right. Anyway, so we had to get out there and we're praying for her. And sure enough, the, the foot comes out, and it, but, but it didn't come out even. Right. It's like you know, be halfway out. I said, well, that's all we can do. I don't know what else I can say. But, you know, praise God. Yeah. So she went home, uh, feeling pretty happy about it all. Came back the next week shouting. And she said, she says, I went home, and I only had that built-up shoe. Right. And if God had healed it, I, how would I have gone home? With, you know? right. <laughs> anyway, so God evidently said, that was her perspective. God knew that she needed to shoot to get home yet. She said, when I got home, God finished the job, put out the rest of the way. She said, she said, I hardly slept because for the first time in 20 years, my ankle bones touched each other. <laughs> oh my goodness. I thought to myself, this is just absolutely profound story. Beautiful, beautiful story. And that, and that goes right back to the first conversation. You're seeing things that happen in the book of Acts. Yeah. And right. that's, uh, that, that's, you know, that's what it's all about. It's, it's never forgetting yeah. that the kingdom of God is yeah. part of who we are. And, and uh, you know, so you got, you got the, the miracle of salvation. Yeah. Genuine people transformed. Yeah. Then people set free. I mean, let's face it, those were days of drugs and yeah. you know, God only knows what they were doing. Yeah. But seeing people get set free. Marriage is restored. Yeah. The kind of miracles that just make you feel good. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, life, real life. Amen. Jesus said, I've come up there and have a life and have, have it more abundantly. abundantly. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Vic, thank you so much. This has been a true joy to, to walk down memory lane and learn things that <laughs> a lot of which happened before I was born. And that's just, uh, just awesome. So thank you so much for this. Well, it's great to be here with you, Jeremy. And God bless you. I'm looking forward to get together in, in August. That'd be great. That'd yep. be great. Thank you. And we will pick it up there. That, that concludes my interview with Vic Hildebrand. And yeah, those are some crazy stories. But you know what? When you read uh, the, story, the, the story of the Bible, 
you see God doing miraculous and amazing things all the time. And he's still about the business of doing that uh, even today. And so that was part of our heritage, part of our history, part of what we desire to see God do in people's lives moving uh, forward. And so, so that, like I said, that wraps up my conversation with Vic Hildebrand. I hope you found it as fascinating as I did. Next week, we're going to talk, uh, begin a three-part series with my conversation with Steve Chupp and uh, how his, his tenure here, as his 36 years here as pastor and what God was doing during, during that portion of our history. So let me pray for us, and then we will wrap it up for today. Lord God, we just thank you again, <clears throat> Lord, for so much that you put into the legacy and the foundation of Harvest Community Church, so much you've called us to. And so, Lord, we continue. We desire to continue that calling in, in you, and we ask for an, <clears throat> excuse me, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives, and we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us here at Harvest Talk. And as always, I want to encourage you to continue looking for ways to reach people and build their lives. We'll see you again next week. Take care.